0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call in the Southern Studio this week and I'm pretty pale for a guy who spends so much time in a resort town. Let me tell you what, remember to check out the website howgooditis.com and Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course, the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash how how good it is pod, and please consider supporting the show as a patron. For just $5 each month, you get a weekly newsletter to go along with this mess I'm making right now. In fact, I've opened up the newsletters from a couple of months ago to give you a preview. You can click on the website uh, link, or you can point your browser to patreon.com. Slash, how good it is. You know, I love it when the Sound of Vinyl publishes these lists because they are so cool and so surprising, and also because I don't have to do a lot of research for the trivia question. So, according to the folks over there, what ABBA song has been covered more than any other? I'm willing to bet that the winner won't surprise you, but the rest of the list might. And I will have that answer for ye at the end of the show. Our story today starts with a young man with the unwieldy name of Michael Anthony Orlando Cassavetes. This son of a Greek father and a Puerto Rican mother began life in the Hell's Kitchen section of New York City. Now, after a few years, the family moved across the Hudson River to Bergen County in New Jersey. In 1959, when he was 15, he formed a doo-wop group called The Five Gents, and they recorded a few demos which caught the attention of producer Don Kirshner, who then hired him to write songs. Now, Kirshner also had him singing songwriter demos as a solo performer, and the following year, this actually turned into a couple of songs reaching the charts. Perhaps the most notable of these would be Halfway to Paradise, which charted in both the U.S. and the U.K. Now I should note that the song did much better in the U.K. when it was recorded by Billy Fury, and U.S. music fans probably remember Bobby Vinton's 1968 recording better. But regardless, this was the beginning of Tony Orlando's performing career. Now, what I wasn't able to quite nail down is when Michael Anthony Orlando Casavitis became Tony Orlando, but Tony Orlando is what appears on those early singles, so it happened pretty early on. Orlando continued writing songs and having a little bit of success with them, and in the meantime, he was working his way up the ladder at Columbia Records. Specifically, he was a vice president at the CBS Music Publishing Company, and because he was doing so well, Columbia Records president Clive Davis basically looked the other way when Orlando took a $3,000 advance to sing lead on a song for two producer friends who were on another label. If the song failed, Orlando didn't want it to affect his reputation, so he recorded it under a different name. The stars won't Cause they couldn't match the glow of your that song was Candida, and to sing backups with him, Orlando recruited backup singers Lindo November and Tony Wine, who was one of the co-writers of the song. Now, if you've been a long-time listener of this show, you might remember we talked about Tony Wine way back in episode 33 because she served as one of the backup singers for Ron Dante on the first couple of Archie singles, including Sugar Sugar. It's fresh and clean. Uh-huh. Candida. just take my hand and I'll lead you. Now, in addition to worrying about his reputation, Orlando was getting a little bit worried about the appearance of conflicts of interest, so they recorded under the name Dawn. Got that? Dawn was the name of the entire group on that first album. Where'd they get that name from? Uh, It's not especially clear. By all accounts, it came from somebody's daughter, but there are lots of conflicting stories about exactly whose daughter it was. As a name, it was in the top 30 for girls during the early and mid-1960s, so I guess some confusion is possible. I should point out, however, that Orlando was not in the room with Wine or November when they recorded their vocals. He sang to a pre-recorded track, and then the other two came in to do the backups later on. Well, "Candida" turned out to be a pretty huge hit, making it to the number one position in five different countries around the world and top ten in a bunch of others, including the United States, where it peaked at number three on the Billboard chart, and it was a number nine record in the UK. Now. Let's turn our attention to a couple of composers, L. Russell Brown and Irwin Levine. They were big fans of the song Up on the Roof, and they wanted to write a song with a similar flavor in the sense that they wanted to come up with a song about living in a tenement-style apartment. Now, Brown and Levine weren't songwriting partners, but they knew each other pretty well because they commuted to work together. According to Brown, Irwin Levine took him to meet with producer Hank Metters. And he asked the two of them to come up with a follow-up to Candida if they thought that that song was going to be a hit. Now, at that point, Candida was at about number 70 on the chart, but Brown was pretty convinced that the song was, in fact, a hit. Levine didn't really know anything about tenement life, but Brown did have some familiarity. Now, I, need, I think I need to stop for a moment and talk about tenements. Tenements Tenements were the precursor to modern apartment buildings. They were inexpensively built, and the people who designed them didn't give a lot of consideration to the soundproofing or the aesthetics of the apartments in these buildings. And that meant that oftentimes windows would look out onto ventilation shafts or water pipes, including the ones that were intended for heating. They would all be exposed and they as they passed from the bottom of the building to the top. And so when Levine asked Russell about growing up in a tenement... One of the things he mentioned was that the entire building only had one telephone, so if a phone call came for you, someone would bang on the radiator pipe in code to let everyone know that there was a phone call from them, and typically two bangs meant that the call was for the family on the second floor. Well, Levine liked that idea, and they put together a song about a person who lives in a cheap apartment, and he's been listening to the music come through the floor, and after just picturing what's going on downstairs in his head, he decides he's in love with this girl he's never met. So he finally writes her a note with a plan for her to connect with him. If she's interested in a relationship, she knocks on the ceiling, that is, his floor. If she's not interested, she bangs on the pipe. And of course, the song contains sound effects related to this elaborate system. you. Oh my darling, knock three times on the ceiling if you want. just walk downstairs and ask her, but okay, let's just call him shy. Anyway, Levine and Brown took the song back in to Hank Metters, and to Brown's surprise, Metters really liked it. Brown was more of a fan of music like The Doors or The Rolling Stones, and he thought Knock Three Times was kind of a teeny bopper-ish, a little cutesy, but he did his best to keep up the energy while they played it for Metters. Brown also noted that it's the first song he composed using a piano rather than a guitar, which is why it's rather limited in its chord structure. Frankly, he didn't know a lot of piano chords. So, Orlando, Wine, and November went back into the studio, and they cut Knock Three Times and a bunch of other tracks, including, incidentally, Up on the Roof, and they put the Candida album together. The record, Knock Three Times, was released in November 1970, and once again, Dawn was a huge hit. This time they did make it to number one in the U.S., plus the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and a few other nations, and it was top five in several others. According to J. Russell Brown, there was a 10-day stretch during which the song sold 100,000 copies a day in the New York area alone. All of this success meant that there needed to be a tour and the real group to promote these songs. So, Orlando turned to a pair of singers that he had worked with when he was producing Barry Manilow's first couple of records in the late 1960s, Talma Hopkins and Joyce Vincent Wilson. They had previously worked with Motown and Stax Records as backup singers, and they became the dawn to his Tony Orlando. They toured with him through Europe, and then the three of them went back into the studio to record a second album. That act then became known as Dawn, featuring Tony Orlando, and then finally, around 1973, they were known as Tony Orlando and Dawn. Hey, girl, what you doing down there? Dancing alone every night I Covers? Oh yeah, there are definitely covers. In fact. In the year after the song was released, there were something like 11 different covers, including this one by Billy Crash Craddock from January 1971, which went to number three on the country chart. on the ceiling if you twice the answer This one is also from 1971. Lynn Anderson doesn't just bend the gender, she makes a bunch of little changes in each verse. Can I not share this one? It is also from 1971. Filipino actor Manny DeLeon, who I'm told completely sold out in the market there when he did his version. And as far as I know, this is the actual approximate quality of the recording. You meet me on the In 2001, Deborah Gibson released this techno version of the song on her album MyOB, with her and Tony Orlando trading off on the main vocals. And in 2009, country artist Clay Cooper did an album of duets, and on that album was a track he did with Tony Orlando, and for my money, Tony's just a little too happy to be there. I can't believe it. I'm singing with my favorite country singer. Clay, it's on you, buddy. Hey, girl, what you doing there? Oh, I can hear the music playing I can see your body swaying One floor below me You don't even know me I love you Oh, my darling I'm three times on the ceiling If you want me Take it, buddy Twice on the pipes If the answer is no There are literally about 20 other covers of the song floating around, so have fun looking for those. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you what the most covered song by ABBA is, according to the folks at The Sound of Vinyl. Based on their tabulations, we have, in the number 10 position, it's Chiquitita, which has been covered 27 times. Okay, that one came as a big surprise to me. At number 9, we have Knowing Me, Knowing You, with 28 covers. Number 7, with 32 covers, is Waterloo. Number 6 was a surprise to me. It's Gimme, 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 with 34 covers. And speaking of repeated titles, Money, Money, Money takes the number 5 position with 35 covers. Fernando has been covered 36 times, making it number four. At number three is Mamma Mia, which has been covered 37 times. Tied for number two, with 50 covers each, are The Winner Takes It All and S.O.S. And the song by ABBA that's been covered more times than any other is Dancing Queen, which is way out front, having been covered 73 times. I gotta admit, I didn't really think any of those songs had been covered so many times what do you think? And that is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you are enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone, maybe even leave a review somewhere. And now you can support the show over at patreon.com slash howgooditis. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash Pod, Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thank you, as ever, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when all you want to do is have some fun. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.